Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. We are glad to share with you once again on our podcast, Walk with God. And Walt and I want to even just take a moment and thank each of you for listening and joining with us as we share some insights, some lessons from God's Word. I have to start with a question today, Walt. Sorry, oh, I know. <laughs> do, do you look different today than you than you looked like 40 years ago? Oh, my gosh. Uh, because... All right. True, true confessions. I just found a couple of old passports of ours. Oh, no. And we laughed so hard oh. at how we looked years <laughs> gone by. Now, it wasn't 40 years, but it was, yeah, it was, way, it was yeah. a time ago. Yeah. Well. Yes, so, we look different. So, you know, I start there just... Just because that's what we've been walking is 40 years with Moses and these people who have been out in the wilderness, right? Over these past weeks, we've looked at the life, that faithful ministry of Moses. So, of course, he had 40 years in Egypt, 40 years on the back side of the desert and being trained to be a shepherd of sheep. And then he was chosen. He was called by God to lead the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery. And they departed from Egypt. And we saw a few weeks ago, God miraculously parted the Red Sea. They walked on dry land. After their disobedience at Kadesh Barnea, Barnea, however, they wandered for 40 years. So that's why I brought up 40 years, because we see that in three segments in Moses' life. Moses has passed away, and God has chosen Joshua to be the new leader for Israel. Today, as we begin in Joshua 3, we want to kind of run through chapters 3 and 4 and pull out some highlights. The people are camped on the east side of the Jordan River, and they are waiting for God's instructions. In Joshua 3, 1, and then looking at verses 5 and 6, we see Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. And then coming down to verse 5, Joshua comes to the people. He says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So we see here just in these opening verses in Joshua 3, we've got a lesson. It's waiting on the Lord. We've been saying kind of repeatedly these last few weeks that wait is hard, right? That four-letter word, wait, wait on the Lord. But when we wait on him, he gives us peace. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will walk with us as we wait on him and we trust him. Joshua instructed the people. He says, consecrate yourselves, prepare yourselves, prepare your hearts. And why? Because 
tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Can you hear the people talking? Can you hear them? What will it be? What will he do? Remember, we've heard the stories of the Red Sea and just the the buzz uh, in the camp as they waited. Joshua instructed the priests, you will carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. We are going to see that repeated over and over again. You will cross ahead of the people. The, the Jordan River right now is at flood stage. The people have come from the plain of Shittim. They've moved up closer to the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is rushing in front of their faces. And remember, Brenda, they haven't seen a river like this in 40 years. I mean, they haven't yeah. seen a river that, that's rushing like this and it's big since they left the Nile. And, and um, just a quick point, now when you go to the Jordan River, and we've been there many different times, it's a very tame river. It's a very small river. It's really more, we, we almost would call it a creek, but that's because all the nations, um, Syria, um, Jordan, Israel, all of them are taking the waters out of the rivers that normally would be um, contributing to the size of the Jordan River. But this is spring. This is flood stage. This is a big deal. And as they come to this river, it's a barrier. You're not going to take a whole nation across there with men, women, children, animals. No, this is this is not good. Um, recently, we've had some flooding um, in our country, and we've seen some of those photos and just that reminder of the power of water. And that would have been, how are we going to do this? Well, as we continue on in Joshua 3, verses 15 and 16, it says this, When those who carried the ark came to the Jordan River, and the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan River overflows all its bank all the days of the spring harvest, the waters that were flowing down from above, they stood and they rose up in one great heap a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarephan. And those which were flowing down towards the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, now we call it the Dead Sea, they were completely cut off so that people crossed opposite of Jericho. And if, if you know the geography, Adam is a, is a crossing area that's about 20 miles north, or about 32 kilometers north from the place where they crossed the Jordan there by Jericho. And this river rose up in one heat a, a great distance away. And there's, there's some um, historical precedent for things like this happening when earthquakes dislodge large amounts of ground. But however this happened, it is a miracle. It is a miracle because it had the power to stop the, the flooding Jordan at that time, that it stopped at just the moment when these priests go back. And I love this, um, this reminder that the Lord's telling Joshua, command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, stand still in the Jordan. They're going to get their feet wet in the Jordan. This is different than Exodus 14. It's a very different instructions because Moses stood there on the bank of the Red Sea and he said, the Lord said to Moses, tell the sons of Israel to go forward as for you, Moses, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, divide it, and the sons of Israel will go through the midst of the sea on dry land. And a couple of differences 
back in Exodus 14, Moses is there. He's already done all these miracles, or the Lord's done all these miracles through Moses, with Moses there in front of them. He's going to do this one more great miracle, and actually he's going to do way more than that. But they're going to go through on dry land. That's crazy. How does the land get dry that fast? Well, it's a miracle. In this story, the priests are to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Because remember, God has made a covenant with with Moses, the Mosaic Covenant. He's given them promises. And when the feet of the, the, the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark, when they get in the water, the water of, of the Jordan will be cut off and from the waters that are flowing down from above. And even as I, I say this, um, we're constantly saying, okay, th- th- we want to teach the word of God, but we also constantly say, okay, wh- what is an application here? And one of the applications here is just a reminder, God doesn't always do all the things he's going to do the same way. That, that's something for us to remember. Just because he did something special for your neighbor or your friend or a family member, he might not do the same thing the same way with you. But the other thing is a reminder that there's, there's times, most of the times, we have to take a step of faith. They step into the water, and it's wet. And the water has not stopped, and it's flood stage. Um, but once they do, they they move forward, they step forward, that's when God does his miracles. And I, I think that's a reminder for you and for me, that, that whole idea of, of, of sometimes we've got to step out in faith. We've got to say, we don't see this, we don't know how this is going to change or when this is going to change, but we're going to step out in faith and trust that there is a God, and there is, that he is powerful and he is, and that he is working, and he is. And we're going to just step out in faith and, and, and say, God, here we go. We're walking in faith. Would you do what only you can do, which is provide some miracle or another? Yeah, and well, even, you know, as you just were talking, I'm, I'm saying this is such a beautiful picture. There's a beautiful progression here. You think here, here come all these people close, close to what a million, right? All these animals in the tents and the tabernacles in the center, and they're on the plain of Shittim. And then Joshua, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. Joshua sends two spies over to Jericho. They come back. There's, there's a lot of things that have happened here. And now the people have moved up to the edge of the Jordan River, remember, waiting on the Lord. And then Joshua tells the people, what? Consecrate yourselves, prepare yourselves, prepare your heart. The Lord is about to do something wonderful, something amazing. And then the priests step into the the water. They've got the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. This is, remember, the Lord gave this to them in the wilderness with the instructions for the tabernacle to be constructed and put together, but also gave them the Ten Commandments. And so we know here the priests, they've carried, again, repeated in verse 17, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. Remember, Walt just said, looking back at Exodus 14, again, the people crossed on dry ground at the Red Sea. This is a miracle. We all know ground doesn't dry up that quickly after a heavy rainfall, let alone the bed of a river to be dry ground. And those priests stood there 
where the Lord commanded for them to stand, what, until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. As they walked around the Ark of the Covenant, the priest stood there. And this is a phrase that really got my attention, stood firm on dry ground. You know, the Lord wants us to stand firm. The Lord will part the waters, as it were, in our lives. He will provide. The Lord will care for you. You know, there there may be problems coming around you, but the Lord knows. He hears your cries. He hears every single prayer. He knows every need, and he calls on us to stand firm. Be strong. Be courageous, is what he told Joshua in Joshua 1.9. And so now, the priests stand firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan River. Yeah, and even as you're saying that, going back and referring to Joshua chapter 1, it, it, Joshua has always, throughout all the stories of Scripture, has stood firm. But what's changed is there's no longer Moses there, that now he's going to be the leader. And that whole idea of standing firm, that's really important. Well, then Joshua wants to remind them, or actually the Lord is going to remind them using Joshua, and this is what he says, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one from each tribe. So they take these 12 men from the 12 tribes tribes of Israel, take for yourselves 12 stones from here in the middle of the Jordan, the place where the priest's feet are standing firm. See, again, they're standing firm. It's almost like they're standing on these rocks. Then the priests say, okay, well, get off these rocks. Now grab them and carry them with you and lay them down at the lodging place where you'll lodge tonight. And so they're going to go just to the other side of the Jordan. They're going to get away from the floodplain, and they're going to set them these rocks up. Um, and as they do this, um, each of them take a stone and they put it on their shoulder according to the number of the tribes. And they're reminded, let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later saying, what do these stones mean to you? You'll say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. And as we traveled, um, we travel not just in our country, but in other countries, we see these memorials that are set up, memorials for great battles, uh, memorials for um, difficult things that have happened. One of the things we go to is the, the memorial for the Holocaust in Israel. Um, it's a hard memorial, but it's, it's, it's designed to say this, don't forget. Don't forget, and and prone to forget, we are. We are prone to forget um, just even things that have happened in our own life, let alone things that have happened in history. God is saying to the people of Israel, don't forget. Don't forget that I'm, I'm with you. Don't forget that I've given you these instructions. Don't forget I've cared for you these 40 years in the wilderness, and I'm now bringing you into a land that I promised your forefathers that I promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, that I promised you through Moses, I'm, I'm going to do something for you. And I love this idea of a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. And we have some stones that we've collected, but I also think of one of my colleagues from when we were working back at Moody Bible Institute. He had a whole shelf of particular stones, and he had them labeled. 
And you're right. Well, we also, as we've traveled around, we see them, of course, in Israel a lot, but, but we see them other places that we go where people have taken stones and put them in place. And I just would like to encourage all of us, think about that. Maybe that's something you can do as a family. You can do it with with even friends when you've experienced um, a time um, when the Lord spoke to you, when it was a meaningful worship time, when you were in His Word, and, and maybe a really fruitful prayer time. But I encourage you, practice that. Practice setting up that memorial you know, the priests carried the ark. They were standing in the middle of the Jordan. Remember, we said they were to stand firm. And they completed what the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell them to do according to all that was planned and laid out from Moses. God spoke to Moses and was commanded to Joshua. Joshua carried it out to the people, to the priests. The people hurried across. And when they'd finished crossing the ark of the Lord, and the priests crossed before the people. And they, they did what God asked them to do. They were obedient. And sometimes that's a hard place for us in life is just, just obey. Just do what you're truly asked to do and trust the Lord in all of that, that he will lead you, that he will part the waters even when it seems impossible. And Brenda, even as you're talking, this idea of remembering things, um, our youngest grandson is named for a memorial, for a stone, that um, a kind of stone that's on the edge of Lake Michigan. And it's a long story. We won't get into it. But just that idea of God showing, uh, especially his mom, that, that he was going to do something in her life. And that when this boy was born, he was named for a stone, a stone that she found there yeah. on the edge of the Lake Michigan, a Leland and that, stone. Mm-hmm. And so our youngest grandson is named Leland. And I love this as we come to the conclusion of this story, not the story of Joshua, but this story of them parting and crossing the Jordan River in chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Listen to these summary words. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed just as, remember this, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea 40 years earlier. And the text goes on, which he dried up before us until we had crossed so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And kind of the big so what of this story as it concludes, it's listed right here. There's a twofold purpose for this miracle. One tied to Israel's history from 40 years earlier when they were redeemed from slavery in Egypt. Now they're redeemed from their wilderness wanderings and they're going in to possess the land that if they'd walked by faith, they could have possessed earlier. But this new generation needs to learn this. For the people of Israel, this was a reminder that what the Lord had done and that they needed to fear, they needed to reverence and respect. They needed to see God as awesome and great. And this was to be a reminder forever. They needed to remember that God was this way. But also this text says that there's a reminder for the people all around this new nation of Israel. They needed to know that God had a mighty hand. And it was for this people of Israel, due due to his covenant blessings of them, that he chose them and he chose to bless them. And it's symbolized in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. 
and even as you share that twofold purpose, Walt, um, that's just a great place for us to end today in reflection of who God is and turning our hearts in worship and praise to him. You know, we don't walk alone. We can trust God. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are strong, you are mighty, and you are powerful. And even through these examples of the parting of the waters at the Red Sea and the parting of the waters at the Jordan River, we do see the hand of the Lord is mighty. Lord, we ask that in our lives, would we live in such a way that the people all around us would know and see that you are the Lord God, that they would come to fear you. Lord, would you help us as we walk to walk in obedience? And we pray that we would remember today who you are and the many good things that you have done for us. Lord, until we come together again, would each of us continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.